You are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. We are in the midst of a series called Generous, and there's a few things we've tackled, being generous with our words, being generous with our worship, and this week, lead pastor Andy Cass talks about being generous with our wealth. Let's get right into it. So what I'm trying to get to is, is this, is there are certain things in this culture uh, that when we start talking about wealth and world and God and, and we talk about budgeting and, and the way we're supposed to handle finances according to the Bible, it's just, it, it, it's some of us, we're just going to feel that it's just a new trick and I don't know if I can change. And, and so what we're going to do is lean on scripture and its authority and, and just say, hey, Lord, what if, what if we put our hope in what you say as the truth? As, as the best, uh, the best things for our life. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to James. And, uh, and really what I want to talk to you about today is, is James' perspective when it comes to wealth. He's not a really feel-good uh, feel preacher. He's not a very feel-good writer. And in fact, it's kind of like he, he kind of hits your right side of the head. And, and it's, it's, he has some pretty strong perspective when it comes to wealth. And, and we can see this in James 1.11. And we're also going to read James 1.16 for those that are taking notes. The first perspective that James has when it comes to wealth is this. In 1 verse 11, he says, the riches... Rich, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Uh, did you know that if you make $32,400 a year that you are on the top 1% of the wealthy in this world? And so when he writes in James 5.1, he says, now listen, you rich people, he's speaking to us. He, he really is. And like he said, he's really good at lifting us up. He says, your wealth will rot <laughs> and the moths will eat your clothes and your golden silver will corrode. And everybody go, whoo Oh, shoot. It's talking to me. The second perspective that he has is this, is our wealth is from God. Number one is your wealth is going to fade. Number two is the wealth you do have is from God. James 1.16 says this, don't, dis, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. In fact, when he says, my dear brothers and sisters, it's fair warning that what he's going to say next isn't just really that great. <laughs> he really wants to speak to us. He says this, dear brothers and sisters, listen up. And this is great. Uh, but at the same time, it really kind of can change our perspective it's something hard to swallow. It says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father who, by the way, does not change like the shifting shadows. James believes two things. Number one, your wealth isn't your own and the wealth you do have. Oh, by the way, it's good is gone. And what we do is we talk about here when it comes to generosity, when it comes to our giving is we want to be people with open hands. And so what I want to do just this morning really, really briefly is begin to just uh, open up Genesis and talk a little bit about the history and the beginnings of world, wealth, and God. And so can we do that? Genesis 1, and I'm going to eventually turn to Genesis 2.15 for those that care. Uh, Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And Genesis 2.15, it says this, that man, or God took man and he placed him in the garden to take care of it or to, to take care of it and to work it. The Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. I want to tell you this is man is meant to, to be placed into whatever situation that they're in 
to not possess it, but to cultivate and to care for it. But if you live long enough, you uh, accumulate enough wealth or, or, or stuff, it's really easy to begin to believe that what we have is truly ours. I think about my daughter, uh, you know, you know how it is if you have parents or you have kids, uh, you, you, you give things for certain Christmas, but then when they kind of get in trouble, you kind of look at them and say like, hey, I'm going to take your iPad or whatever it is. And they're like, no, you can't do that. That's mine. And as parents, you're like, no, it's mine. <laughs> we understand that our kids, they, they may have what they have and what we give them, but ultimately it's still within the possession of ours when it comes to their stuff. And I think the same thing is with God. God put us in the garden, not so that we would own the garden, but that we would be stewards of the garden. And so when we look at the history of wealth and we look at the history of the world and mankind and the interaction with God, we've got to start understanding that, that what we have isn't ours. It's God's. Now, Genesis 4, there's a story of, of some people here, and you're, you're probably well familiar with a lady named Eve, and then she has two bo boys, and they're birthed in this order. First, she has Cain, and his name in Hebrew means possession. Okay, let me pause here for some of you that, that may need to know a little bit more of the background of how these stories were passed uh, generation from generation. It was from their mouth. So generation after generation after generation, before they actually ever wrote this down, it was something they passed word of mouth. So everything that is in this story is something very specific, and it was put there for an exact reason. And I believe what you begin to see in this, this first, one of these first stories of the Bible is that Eve's heart automatically moves into the place of wanting to possess something. And so if we're going to possess anything, what we can possess is our kids. Now, let me pause. I didn't say this in the first hour, but I really think some of us need to hear this. Some of the kids that get really messed up, it's for the parents that really believe that they possess their kids and they forget that God, all they wanted him to do or us to do is to cultivate and to care for our kids and we don't own our kids. And the same thing here in the garden, what we see here is, is, is I believe Eve's heart and the desire to want to possess something, to actually own it. And, and she says this, and I don't know if she's saying it, I don't know if she just said it, but she said this, I have acquired a man from God. If you look at the Hebrew there, it also could be translated as I have possessed a man from the Lord. I have purchased a man from the Lord. I believe this is a glimpse into humanity. This is a natural progression of who we are. Now, later on, what happens is she has another son. His name is Abel, and his name means breath and vapor, probably out of just the, the reality of living a short life. Because what later happens is this, is, is it says Cain, or Abel is going to graze, and he's going to feed, and he's going to cultivate and care for the sheep, while Abel is going to work the soil. From the sweat of his brow, he's going to do a lot. He's going to have to make a lot of effort to come up with his food and the stuff that he's trying to produce. And over a course time, it says this Cain brings his offering to God. But then it says Abel brings the firstborn sheep. And when he brings the firstborn sheep, he gives of the fat to the Lord, which is the best parts to the Lord. 
And it says God accepts Abel's offering and, and is pleased with it, and at the same time doesn't look necessarily favorably upon Cain's. And, and, and when, when that happened and when Cain experienced it, Cain became angry, and you know the story, Cain eventually kills Abel out in the field. And so what I want to talk to you today at the beginning of time, why is it that when humans bring an offering to God and where there's two different people, there's a Cain and there's an Abel, why one's disappointed and one is not? Why one offers something that God completely accepts at the same time, one that God doesn't necessarily accept with as much as excitement. And so this is what I want to tell you. I believe Cain, the reason why he was disappointed, why he was angry in life, why he ended up doing what he did is because I think he had a perspective when it came to God himself and his wealth. The first thing in my observations is this, is Cain could have thought that what he offered God is what he produced. How many of you know that if you work the ground, if you are a farmer, that all the farmer can do is really cultivate the ground, but they cannot produce the crops. They cannot themselves grow the crops. They can cultivate the surroundings. They cannot grow the crops. So, but I think he thought he offered God a thanks from what he possessed, what he grew. Instead of believing that all he was doing was managing the product, managing the situation, the scenario around him. I believe that he came really buying into this idea and being tricked by the world that everything that I have is actually because of me. Forbes just came out with uh, an article and it presented that Kylie Jenner is now in the billion dollar club. Can you believe it? That, that's crazy for me to think. And, and in this article, what they talk about is they have a scale. Uh, uh, and, and the scale is, is to, to, to figure out who's self-made and who's not. Uh, on their scale, someone who's not very self-made is a one. And someone who is very self-made, and it's all because of them, it's, it's a 10. And they say Oprah Winfrey is that perfect picture of a 10, that, that she came from poverty and everything that she has is because of her hard work. And so under, according to their little standards, they looked at Kylie Jenner and they said, hey, you know what? Uh, yes, she came from a wealthy family, but she's really taken advantage uh, and she's really taking um, and she's cultivated and cared for her fame in order to grow her wealth. I think from time to time, we like to look in the mirror and think like, hey, you know what? How self-made am I? I think if you look in the mirror, most of us, if we're not careful, will begin to believe that we are self-made, that, that we are a 10 on the scale, when the reality is, I believe, is we're about a one, all of us. Everything we have is not because of us. Yes, we can work hard, but it's be from the blessings of God. Number two, Cain uh, could have thought when he came and he was disappointed in the offering and God's response, because he could have thought that he worked harder than Abel. This is what I call the, the comparison and competitive culture and spirit that we can have as human. See, I believe he could have looked at the vegetation that he produced and he cultivated as a means in order for Abel to feed his sheep. Do you, you catch on that? So Cain, he's helping create this vegetation so that Abel's sheep can eat. 
I think it'd be easy for him to look at the offering and go, hey, not only am I offering the, the produce to God, and by the way, I'm kind of doing it first, and, and then, you know, Abel, my brother's going to bring it. I also, like, that sheep wouldn't be around if I wasn't doing this vegetation thing. And I think in this culture, we have to be careful to not start, uh, not really buy into the lie that that we're doing it better than everybody else, that we're giving more and we're working harder for what we have. And then the third perspective that I think that Cain uh, honestly came when he's given to God is, is Cain could have thought that he deserved God's attention. He could have looked at his birth order and said, hey, but God, I'm the firstborn and I worked harder. And oh, by the way, I gave in more volume just think about it. Just picture this. Abel comes and brings one sheep over his shoulder and he gives God of just the, the fat parts, the best parts of that sheep. And then there's Cain and I could see him just like dragging along a, a cart full of that is just overloaded with his produce. I, I think it's easy to begin to believe that, that when it comes to, the, to our economy and our blessing and what we give back to God, that it's actually about quantity. But I believe in God's economy, it doesn't work like that. It's not necessarily a hand thing, it's a heart thing. The Bible makes it clear that we don't deserve it and we can't earn it. When we talk about giving, one of the things that we can, we can uh, possibly be mis misled in is if I give more, then God will love me more. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. We don't deserve it and we can't earn it. But in response to the great love that we've experienced and the acceptance and the forgiveness and, and because God gave his son, it, is, it can become natural to say, God, you know what? It's not hard for me to give back to you. In fact, why was Abel's offering uh, looked upon so favorably, favorably? I believe it's two things. Number one, he gave of his first and he gave of his best. When I think about giving, and our wealth, and God, and our budget, I think a lot of times it can look like cupcakes. Some of you are like, hmm, this might be interesting. Anybody love cupcakes here? Like you are just, you are totally, told, I mean, you would like kill for a cupcake. Anybody? 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 Okay, perfect. Perfect. Marta Shea, I need you to come help me up here. Would you, would you do that? Let's hear from Marta Shea. Martisha, you love cupcakes. The good news, Martisha, today is we've got cupcakes in the house. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Martisha, you know, you could, uh, you know, Martisha, isn't he a handsome young man? He's a good looking man. He's only 11, but it's all good. Uh, can you, you, one day you can maybe, maybe one day you'll be a server. And so I just want to give you a little practice today. Would you go over there to the, to the uh, sub over there and grab those, those um, cupcakes and deliver them to me? Please don't eat them yet, okay? Just you're going to have to be patient. We're going to try to, you know, just push through perseverance, brother. It's going to build you up. You know what I'm saying? And so thank you. Okay, we got to give you a little serving tips here, okay? Come on, come on, Marcia. Come on, come on. <laughs> I need to put this on your hand here. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I kind of like that, okay? Uh, Marche, do you love cupcakes? Yes. These are not ordinary cupcakes. These are nothing bunt cakes. Can I hear an amen? These are special cupcakes. 
These aren't just, we, I wanted to demonstrate once again my generosity by giving a few individuals in this place a cupcake or two. And I think sometimes uh, when it comes to what happens or what comes into our, in our budgeting situ- situation or our finances, the way I like to picture and illustrate is this, is that we, we have these cupcakes delivered to us. And at the beginning of the month, we have a check that's put into our bank and that bank account balloons. And it's just like this. It's like, oh boy, this is beautiful. Do you smell the cupcakes, Marjorie? Thank you for your patience. But what happens if you're normal, uh, normal American here is uh, there are certain things that we've got to deliver cupcakes to in order to kind of have the lifestyle that we have or just to survive. And so the first cupcake that's delivered, we actually need to take from, from the delivery and say, well, first, I've got to give to my housing. And so anybody like cupcakes here? So I just want to say thanks to Wells Fargo here. Thank you for that mortgage. And thank you for caring and keeping that roof over my, ho- my, my head. I just really appreciate you, and uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, the other thing that really hits us next, and, and we all love this one, and then we just, like, like, we just are, like, frolicking in the field mentally and emotionally when we see it. It's our taxes. And we're like, oh, IRS, we just love you, and we just want to deliver you one of our first cupcakes, and here you go. Oh, IRS, just enjoy that, okay? Enjoy that. Thank you for your generosity and your roads. And then what happens is, uh, man, we, we, I wish it would stop, but it doesn't. And what happens is if we've gone to school or we're, we, we've um, got our first credit card and now we've got to deliver a cupcake or two to, the, you know, to our loan. And, and this one's a little harder, but we do have to say thanks for letting me have a few things uh, before I actually earned it. And so uh, are you a cup, cupcake lover? You know, okay, you're in your so so thank you, Bank of America. We appreciate you. It's so exciting to to give that to you this morning. And then uh, you know, Mayo Clinic, you understand this, and uh, is healthcare is really important. And although uh, we're investing in this now, uh, we know you uh, you'll take care of us later. And so here, blessings upon you. Uh, healthcare provider and just want to invest into your future. And then this one's not so bad, Marche, because we get to like do a little trading, you know, it's like cupcake for food. Like it's just one of those things we got to eat. I heard you eat a lot. Yes, you do. And so we got to deliver this to Hy-Vee or Trader Joe's. Any cupcake lovers over here? Over? Oh, I think little Eli is. So uh, let's hear for Eli. Thank you. Thank you, Costco. Cupcake for beef. And then lastly, we get to the end. No, 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 stay here, man. This is what I call Mr. Miscellaneous. It's our vacation fund. It's, it's like, you know, some things that we can do for funsies. And a lot of times what we do is slice that up in a, b- a bunch of different things. And, um... Um, I'll get to yours. <laughs> Thank you for serving me a cupcake, but I've got a few miscellaneous expenses that I need to take care of. When you give that out, and then you realize that the person who served 
and that loves cupcakes and actually loves you more than cupcakes has got nothing on their plate. And we kind of do this. I think sometimes with our wealth. Oh, no, no. I, <laughs> but just in case of emergency, man, I've been holding this thing. Scott, I, there's a few items that I have in like this little carrier. I got some gum. I got some mints. Uh, Marsha, I can make it up for you. Uh, Scott, what do I got there? You got something good? Okay. Oh, just in case of emergency, you know what? I appreciate that you've served me, that you've brought this to me. Uh, and what you can have is a fleet farm preserved to 2050 <laughs> in case of emergency fruitcake. So thank you for your generosity, Marta Shea. I appreciate your heart to give to me. And, and you know what? This month, it just didn't work out as well as I thought. So you go ahead and enjoy that. And plus, hey, look at the benefit. It's so much more than what everybody else got. Would you appreciate the... Have you ever had one of those? No. No. <laughs> well, you go to your, back to your, uh, to your... You can have this, okay? You go back. Let's hear from Marta Shea. You go back and eat that. I may check in on you later. I think how, what I just illustrated is sometimes how we treat God. God puts us in the garden and he says this, cultivate, care for it, but we treat as if it's only our own and it's for only us. And what happens, and what I want to tell you this, is Marta feels, and Marta I'll pay you back some other day with, with a whole dozen, promise, Sometimes we've been, a, we know how it feels to be the afterthought. We know how it feels. And I just want to tell you that generous is not an afterthought. Generous is not the last. Generous isn't about quantity. Generous is a heartbeat. And that's what I want to tell you today. And, and uh, because of time, I don't have much uh, time left. I, I can't really go into this. But we find in Genesis 14 is the first account of someone coming to the king priest of Jerusalem or Salem. His name is Melchizedek. He's, he's actually a foreshadowing of Christ himself. And Abram comes and he delivers 10% of his bounty. And, and as God tries to even give it back to him, Abraham says this one thing. And he says this, I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even the thread or a strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say this, I made Abram rich. Because I think Abram, the founding father of our faith, he understood this one concept. It's not man who makes me rich. It's not me who makes me rich. It's God who can make me rich. And I know we're talking about wealth. I know some of you are like, man, you're like, you're talking about like the prosperity doctor. No, I'm not talking to you about that. I'm just saying this is that God is the God that blesses us. And let's not get fixated on the amount. Let's get on what God is trying to do in our life. And I think, and I, 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 this is how I believe it, is that, that Abram had the right perspective. Abraham understood. He understood this isn't mine. I have to steward what God gives me. I don't deserve it. I didn't produce it. It's God's. God blesses and God possesses. And if anyone's going to make and sustain me in life, it's God. And I understand it's not me. When it comes to our wealth, I want to be a church that gives first. I think when it comes to our 10th, the first, the first things and the best things, it's, it's about trust. 
It's beginning to trust that God can do more with 90% plus obedience and generosity than we can do alone with 100% plus effort. That's why I think God wants us to give first because when we give first, I think God looks back at us and say, let me show you my goodness and my blessing. The second is giving our best. It's not about amount. It's not about, a, uh, about guilt. It's about giving God our best efforts, about our best attitudes, our best resources, and see what God just might do in your life. And now why would we do that? Why would we give our best? Why would we give our first is because we want to make a difference here, there, and everywhere. We want to be a type of people where someday, even though we don't know who it is, that someone out there, because of their generosity, made a difference in my life. And so today, in, in closing, I want to talk to you about giving at Echo Church and, and not necessarily giving to it, but giving through it. Some of you, you've never done this. And today I feel like God wants to challenge you to give the first, take a first step today. Some of you have never given 10% of what you've earned to the local church. Uh, the storehouse is what scriptures say. Uh, just because I believe generosity is a muscle. If you weren't grown up, you've never heard this before, it's something that's hard to do, but I, I just wanna challenge some of us in here to take that first step today. The next step for others that have been a part of the church and been a part of giving, and you, you've, you've kind of uh, exercised that generous muscle, as I say, that I think some of you just need to take a next step. And that next step, step sounds quite a bit like, hey God, what would you want me to do? What could I do? What could we accomplish together? Yes, Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> Thank you for setting the mood. Thank you, lighten the mood, lighten the mood. So our next step, we do need to ask God, God, what if I were to be generous and beyond even that first step? And then, I, and then what I wanna do, I wanna challenge you today is some of us, we've not walked in our faith and our generosity to just say, God, you know what? I feel like you're talking to me and you're speaking to me about a certain amount. And when I look at that amount, I don't think I can accomplish that on my own. But what if we could dream together, God? What if you would make the means to be generous the way that you've put in my heart? God, would you speak to me and, and give me a number? Give me, give me, I and mean, some of you don't have finances, but you have time and, and that's part of your wealth. And you need to say, God, but what if I, I, mean, I don't have the time now, but what if I were to promise this time and only by your help and by your leading, could I accomplish that? And I think that's where we call trusting God. And, and I just want to say this, and many of you probably don't know this, but this last year, Christy and I made less than we've ever made together, but we've given more. And that's not to brag, but I wanna say this, is Christy and I have sat back and we keep asking this, is how could we still be in a great financial scenario? And I believe it's because God showed up. It's been one of the most exhilarating times of my life to say, you know what, God, it doesn't make sense that we give this, but we're gonna give it anyway because we know that we don't own it, you do that you are the God of blessing. And so, so I, I just wanna throw that out. We already mentioned this, but uh, November 24th, um, we're gonna take this offering here at this church. 
And what we think is, we want to call this the first fruits offering. We want to say this is a, is, is a thanksgiving offering of what God is doing in our life. And we want to invite you to do this. And as I had mentioned, December 15th, we're going to go and we're going to go to the community, uh, into the community. We're going to go to uh, the Castle Community Center. We're going to build these bags. And, and what we want to do is take an offering on the 24th that will help pay for all that whole event to invest in the, into this city and, and invest into those that, that can't necessarily just invest in themselves. And we, inv- we want to invite you into that type of church. I don't like talking finances. I really don't because I know it's close and near and dear to our heart, but I also think that a giving heart is a heart that displays a heart that is submitted to God, is submitted to the word of God of saying, you know what, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna do it anyway in faith. So today, I just wanna pray for us as I've kind of presented a little bit of vision, talked a little bit of how we can have a generous heart, how we can get there. It's by no means something we can do on our own. And I just want to invite God this morning to just speak to us before uh, we conclude our service. And, and Jesus, we just come to you and what we have in our hands, what we have represented in our time is really a picture of our heart. And for some of us, this is a new concept. For some of us, this is a very scary concept, but God, I just ask that you would just begin to move within our heart and that God, you would change a perspective. God, you would start teaching some of us old dogs new tricks. That God, we'd understand and begin to believe that God, it's not our wealth, but it's your wealth and we're just called to cultivate and care for. And God, if you can change that in our mind, in our heart, then maybe our life would reflect it. And so we ask that you would begin to make that movement in our life. Help us understand that what we possess should not possess us and that you ultimately possess the world. You own the cattle on thousand hills. And Jesus, we just wanna come to you with open hands and say, God, make us a generous people. Make us an obedient people. God, may you make a difference through our generosity. And so God, I just ask that you would begin to birth in us a heart for this kingdom, a heart for this city, a heart for this church, a heart for there and everywhere. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Echo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a second to share it with a friend or family member who might need to hear this word today. And if you're feeling alone, lost, have a question, or want help with anything, please reach out to us. We are the echo.church slash contact. We would love to help you no matter who you are or where you're at. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more, make sure to head over to that website, wearetheecho.church, to get all the details and upcoming services and events.